Let us pray. Come Holy Spirit, our helper, our advocate. Open our hearts and minds this day. Spark in us, we pray, a word of life, a message that enables us to share Christ's love with others as we seek to live as your faithful disciples. All this we ask in the name of the triune God who creates, redeems, and sustains us. Amen. Well, today we continue our series of sermons on the book of Hebrews, this time focusing on verses from the ninth chapter. You remember last week we focused on the one word that comes up 24 times in the 11th chapter, faith. Well, some people are a little squeamish about the word that comes up four times in today's passage, so I promise I'll, I'll be careful, I'll be mindful of that. Listen now to God's word for us in the ninth chapter of Hebrews, starting at the 11th verse. But when Christ came as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy place, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption, for if the blood of goats and bulls with the sprinkling of the ashes of a heifer sanctifies those who have been defiled so that their flesh is purified, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, how much more will that purify our conscience from dead works to worship the living God? For this reason, he is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may rejoice with the promised eternal inheritance because a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions under the first covenant. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. O Lord, may my words and may our thoughts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, as I said, last week we, we focused on faith, that word used 21 times, but this week we moved to chapter 9, and blood is the word that stands out. That's a squeamish subject for lots of people, but maybe not for our church, or at least our church's nurses. Because if you count from our nursing student to our retired nurse, one in five members of this church is a nurse. <laughs> Did you know Berea is so medical? <laughs> now, nurse or not, you may, uh, you may already know that blood is, blood is basic to almost all the body's functions. I've read that a blood test can reveal more about your physical condition than almost any kind of examination. Well, except the psychological, right? <laughs> well, people with diabetes know that that A1C blood test tells about your blood sugar, not just for today, but for the last three months or so. And those lipid panels tell your doctor about all kinds of cholesterol. Well, doctors who specialize in blood, you know, are called hematologists, and hematologists they're also, they're not just concerned with blood, but also with bones because blood cells are formed in the bone marrow. Those specialists also see coagulation, that is thickening of the blood, as an important subject too, because that's what 
coagulation. That's what keeps us from bleeding to death from even small wounds, especially those of us who've taken blood thinners before realize shaving could be an adventure. <laughs> there are dozens of serious blood diseases, including anemia, lack of blood, red blood cells that makes you feel so weak, and leukemia, a cancer involving buildup of white blood cells, which killed my mother. In short, blood, will tell. Now along the way, Hebrews mentions blood a lot, not in terms of physical health or medical specialists, but in terms of spiritual health, of the salvation that we've obtained by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. At the heart of the matter is this basic fact. Jesus Christ sacrificed himself for us. Jesus was accused of crimes that he was innocent of, but he allowed himself to be gruesomely tortured and then shamefully and painfully hung on a cross to die for you and for me. To understand the verses we read and the context they come from, we'll take what some, not me, but some call unpacking. Unpacking can that can come across as sort of the preacher's version of mansplaining. <laughs> Another word I don't use. <laughs> but I'd prefer, to, I'd prefer to think of this as what Professor Francis Taylor Ginch calls unraveling the complex imagery that is interwoven throughout this section of Hebrews. Our reading from Hebrews 9 begins by talking about Christ as high priest. Now the 12th verse referred to goats and calves. Well, that alludes to the offerings that were once made on the Day of Atonement. It's described back in the 16th chapter of Leviticus. Now, you may not have heard much about the Day of Atonement in English terms, but you probably are familiar with the Hebrew word for that, Yom Kippur. Uh, back in that chapter of Leviticus, it, God told, uh, Leviticus, God told Moses to have Aaron take two male goats, sacrifice one of them, and send the other off into the wilderness. And by the way, that's where we get the term scapegoat. The goat that was sent off to the wilderness to bear those sins away. The 13th verse mentions ashes of a heifer and those having a sanctifying effect. Well, that is making people holy, people who needed to be made holy because they had been defiled by sin. Those heifer ashes refer to another purifying ritual described in the book of Numbers. You can look it up, chapter 19. It's a red heifer too. Then the, the writer of Hebrews says, how much more? If those things work for taking away sins, then how much more? Will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, how much more is that going to purify our conscience from dead works? What are these dead works which put our conscience in need of purification? Well, there's an old-fashioned word that they're called too, sins. Other New Testament writers attest to the purifying effect of Christ's blood. For example, in the the second chapter of Titus, we read that Jesus gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify for himself a people of his own who are zealous for good deeds. And according to Hebrews, 
we are cleansed for two reasons. First, to do good deeds. In chapter 10, Hebrews challenges us to consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds. I have to confess to you that when I get provoked, I'm not usually thinking about love and good deeds. <laughs> and I bet you're not either. <laughs> we also read about Jesus' cleansing blood in the first chapter of 1 John in words you've often heard me say after we confess together. This is the message we've heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we are walking in darkness, we lie. And do not do what is true. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Here's the familiar part. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, a couple of minutes ago, I, I mentioned that according to Hebrews, we're cleansed for two reasons. First being do it, doing good works. You wonder what the second reason was? The 14th verse of our reading says that we are purified to worship the living God. Much of the Old Testament customs of sacrifice can, they can seem odd and maybe even a little gross to our ears, especially if you're a vegetarian. <laughs> even the word sacrifice is unappealing to modern ears, but remember, sacrifice comes from good old Latin roots, sacra meaning sacred, and uh, facare meaning to make. So being made sacred. Jesus sacrificed himself to make us holy so that we could be in a loving relationship with each other and with God Almighty. At the heart of the matter is this basic fact. Jesus Christ sacrificed himself for us. He was accused of crimes. He, he didn't do it. But he allowed himself to be tortured gruesomely hung on a cross shamefully and very painfully to die for you and for me. So the question now is what are you going to do in response? Will you accept this gift of grace with gratitude? You know, following after the Lord Jesus Christ who calls us to love God with heart soul, mind, and strength, and our neighbors as ourselves? Will you? Thanks be to God. Now may the God of peace who brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, make you and me complete in everything good so that we may do his will, working among us, that which is pleasing in God's sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory, now and forever. Amen.